Satriakal, Namaste, hello and welcome to the Truth Tribe Show. I'm your host Ravi Thur, and today we will be discussing business leadership and about not-for-profits with our very special guest Anita Huberman. Anita, welcome to the show. Thank you. Anita Huberman has been the president and CEO of the Surrey Board of Trade for 17 years. It is one of the top 10 boards in Canada. She has been with the Surrey Board of Trade in a variety of roles now for 30 years. Anita and her team has served more than 6,000 member businesses. In 2023, she was the top 50 women leaders in Vancouver. 2021, she was announced as one of the 15 outstanding Canadians for her work in the private sector and through the pandemic. She's an honorary captain of the Royal Canadian Navy, holds the Queen's Diamond Jubilee Medal, was a Business in Vancouver Top 40 Under 40 Award winner, was awarded the 2019 Community Builder of the Year Award, and received a Canada 150 Community Medal. She served in a lot of not-for-profits. The one that stands out to me the most is her time that served on Canada's National Film Board for about six years as appointed by Canada's Minister of Heritage. Anita is a highly visible advocate for city businesses at all levels of government with a demonstrated history of evolving and transforming industries. Super excited to have you here and to chat with you today. Just to start us off, in your own words, who are you and what do you do? My role at the Surrey Board of Trade is quite multidimensional. Uh, our whole mandate at the Surrey Board of Trade is to support business and bring business into Surrey. But we do that, and I do that through government advocacy. I'm a registered lobbyist, workforce development, really bridging curriculum development to industry need, creating trifecta economic partnerships with organizations, educational institutions. And of course, uh, ensuring results around labor shortages for businesses. We have an international trade center creating global business connections for local businesses, 30 different country partnerships. Uh, business center, our new Surrey Technology and Skills Center is meant to start up and scale up tech businesses. But we also have an existing entrepreneurial ecosystem of support, whether it's from startup to scale-up phase. Uh, certainly, we are here in Surrey to be that concierge of connections, to enhance the livability in our city, and to ensure progressive economic outcomes for our business community. Uh, thanks for sharing that. Uh, to start off our session, I thought it would be nice to start off at the foundational level of your academic career. So if I'm correct, I believe you went to Simon Fraser University and you took communications and business there. What sort of sparked your interest in that uh, at the time? First of all, I actually started out in the business faculty at Simon Fraser University, but then after a year, I changed my major to communications with a minor in European history. Why communications? Because it allowed me to be very multifaceted and available to different industries, to be entrepreneurial, to be creative at the same time. And, and why European history? Because I love to travel. It, it relaxes me. It allows me to learn and uh, to be able to ensure that we are capitalizing on the global experiences here in our city and in our region. Who were your role models and inspirations while growing up? And what did they teach you? My role model was really my mom. Uh, she came to Canada uh, in 1972. Uh, she was 19 years old. Uh, she didn't speak a word of English. And a year later, I was born. And she had to do everything on her own. Yes, she was married. 
but she also had to prove to her husband that she could have a child or children when my brother came along. But certainly she had to go to school. It was her initiative, her willingness to sacrifice so much to learn English, to take accounting. And now she's the chief financial officer for Langara Student Union at Langara College. And she's been in that position for more than 15, 16 years. But uh, she gives back to her community. Of course, now she speaks fluent English. And she's just the most caring woman and role model that I've ever known. I just have a quick question around the city of Surrey itself. I've been fortunate. I've spent quite a bit of time in Surrey. I've extended family. For those people who are on the fence and maybe do want to migrate over to Surrey and start a new life there, why would you advocate for city of Surrey? Surrey, first of all, is going to be the largest city in British Columbia. They're saying by 2041, there's going to be over a million people. So that means that all levels of government are paying attention to Surrey in terms of the infrastructure investments that are needed to prepare for that grant. So this is where the economic action is going to happen. This is where the supports are going to be for your family. We're a border city. There's 111 different languages that are spoken. So we're a very welcoming, multicultural type of community. And that is our strength in terms of bringing in and co-locating national and international businesses. This is where the employment is going to be. And it's already starting to be that way. You want to be in a city where you're here right from the ground level. You're here with the growth. And certainly in an environment of transportation connectivity between two major airports, Abbotsford and Vancouver, we have uh, certainly, uh, we're on the ocean, we have a riverfront, but uh, there's so much potential that is happening and that will be taking place in our city. And that's why I encourage everyone to look at Surrey. Um, not only for business um, uh, and economic development, but also to look at ways and means to raise your families, to enhance your livability, to be a part of our city right from the ground. Excellent. I was sold at the riverfront. But yeah, there's a lot of good reasons for people to move into Surrey and look into that. Let's now go into the Surrey Board of Trade. You did touch upon that. But if I have to ask you, what's your mission and objective of this organization? What would that be? And how do you guys work to achieve? We're the go-to entrepreneurial center for Surrey. We deliver a very unique and diversified service portfolio. And as I mentioned uh, before, it's about business support. It's about trade support. It's about being that concierge of connections. It's about uh, saving time, saving businesses money. And it is my team, my staff, that really are the heart of this organization that deliver that unique service unparalleled to any other organization within Surrey and within Metro Vancouver. Our unique connections that we have will embolden, it will emblazon, it will grow and connect a business. And that is the, the value. That is the purpose of our organization. We are trying to enhance economic development. We're trying to ensure that Surrey is the place to be for business, 
And so our work is never done. So we're advocating around transportation, environment, trade, taxation issues, you name it, we do it. But we're also focused on livability issues, whether it's public safety, education, homelessness, childcare, such a, a breadth and diversification of, of things that we do. It's a complex organization and you don't really know uh, what is involved and what the value is until you're intrinsically involved. Very interesting. Um, there's a few points that I want to touch on, um, but I'll, I'll get to that later. Um, if I have to ask you about the breakdown of your organization, how many people are there today? How are you all separated and how do you all work together? What would that look like? I have 10 staff and I have five individuals on contract. And um, our strength is our workforce culture. We work together as a team. We have entrepreneurial centers, as I mentioned, our business center, trade center, et cetera. Um, even though we're a not-for-profit, uh, we have entrepreneurial centers, we have work plans, we have budgets to meet, and every single department uh, interfaces and affects each other. So I run this organization like a business, and, and it's very important also that we elevate our profile, that people know what it, what it is and what we have done. When I started this uh, position as president 17 years ago, we had no brand profile. Um, but now we are known for our work around instigating change at the different levels of government, about being a policy maker and revolutionizing the whole chamber and board of trade model. There's 430 of us in Canada. We ourselves have 6,000 member contacts that represents around 3,500 businesses. We are an organization that cannot be ignored. Mm -hmm. There's a very interesting point that you raised there that you guys had no brand profile 17 years and now you have turned it completely the other way around. What were some of the principles that were applied during this transition over the 17 years? The principles were around connecting the dots, working fast, working efficiently, making sure you had the right expertise and skills around you. I'm really good at connecting the dots and creating a vision, but I need people around me to support me in implementing that vision and to work very quickly. We don't have time sometimes to hum and haw and to analyze. Sometimes when you're taking a risk, like in business, um, you just have to go with it and some things work and some things don't. And that's the way it is. And, and that has been our winning formula is to take that risk. Even in the face of great adversity, even in the face of people saying that's not going to work, that's not what a Chamber of Commerce Board of Trade does, that's not how fast you should work. Even like I was the first South Asian female, very young, I was 32 when I was hired. It was unheard of someone like me to be in this position. So I had to work five times as hard, five times longer. And I'm still proving myself. And sometimes I'm the only woman around that boardroom table. And it's not easy, but you, you have to persevere in the face of great adversity. And that has been our winning formula. My follow-up question to you is, what would you categorize as the highest point in your career so far? And, and what did you learn from it? The highest point has been really 
just an ongoing recognition of our work. Mm-hmm. I've, I'm blessed that the federal government points me to these different pieces. For example, the, the Navy, I'm an honorary captain of the Navy, the whole film board piece around the heritage minister. I think that is a recognition of my work, of our team's work. And that is one of the things that I look back on proudly. But uh, you have to, despite all of these accomplishments, you still have to prove yourself each and every day because there's people when you reach the top that love to bring you down, no matter how much you've accomplished. And that's the challenge of life. Success is a journey, not a destination. 100%. And they say it's easy to get up on the top. It's hard to just sustain that, that top level. So... Let's switch the gears around the businesses in Surrey. A few years ago, we all had to go through the pandemic and businesses were majorly affected by that. How did you guys manage the pandemic with the businesses in Surrey? What were some of the challenges that you guys faced and how did you overcome those? You know what? It was March 16th, 2020, and I was the last person to leave this office after sending my staff home. We had no idea what the future would hold for our office, for our organization, for ourselves personally. It was an unprecedented time. And we had to meet each and every day as a staff. Um, We formed certain initiatives to ensure that we were meeting the needs of our members. We worked 14-hour days. We were, because of our unique connections with the federal government, the provincial government. I sat on the premier's advisory council for the pandemic. There was seven of us. Um, I had access to different relationships and, and pieces that I could action right away as a result of those uh, government connections that no one else had. So we worked 14-hour days. My staff were working and worried for their families at the same time. And we were worried for our businesses. And some businesses in Surrey made it, some didn't, some had to enhance efficiencies. It allowed us the opportunity to really utilize technology. And we are still utilizing that technology today. But the economy has changed. We're living in volatile economic times. Everyone knows that even we could be in in an official statement, perhaps, that we are in war times given our socioeconomic circumstances globally. So every single day for an entrepreneur is hard. And we recognize that for our business community. For our workforce, we recognize that there's challenges as well. And there needs to be a relationship between the employers and the employees. And we recognize that as well in these very volatile economic times. And to ensure that we're harnessing our advocacy, progressing around that, and creating and sometimes removing those types of member benefits that make sense or don't make sense. So question on that, you mentioned advocacy. You've worked with a lot of businesses. You were on the government side, working with the government as well. If I have to ask you, what are the top three challenges that the businesses face in in the business world today? What would those be? And how can we work around those? How can we alleviate those challenges? The first three 
are around uh, taxation, bottom line erosion, so increased fees, red tape. Number two is livability. There is an increase in homelessness, drug addiction, lack of support for those pieces, individualized support for mental health. And that's affecting businesses. Businesses are facing a crime tax in order to secure their businesses in the face of really social issues that are becoming more and more pervasive, where it's affecting an economy and the livability of not only Surrey, but the, every city uh, in Canada, I would say. And uh, the third thing is really around labor shortages, skill shortages. And uh, the solutions are very complex. They're multi-layered. When you come to taxation, for example, red tape, bottom line erosion, we're calling on every single level of government to do a comprehensive review of the taxes and fees that they charge businesses. There's an opportunity to simplify the tax codes in both Canada and B.C., There's ways to enhance and increase revenue by partnering with the private sector so that government, especially local government, is not always relying on property taxation to build infrastructure. There's so many different global examples in order to do what is needed instead of trying to increase taxation and fees and utilizing technology so that businesses are not stuck in the red tape hole to get their permit uh, for development or to expand their businesses. The entrepreneurial spirit of businesses, I feel, is dying in the face of all of these challenges, not only the one of taxes and red tape, but also that of supply chain challenges, industry challenges around labor, And of course, these livability challenges around crime, drug addiction, mental health, and of course, paying that crime tax. When we're looking at crime and those livability issues, you need, again, a multi-layered government approach. You can't work in silos. We need infrastructure investment within Surrey. Surrey has been left behind. And uh, so many businesses are being affected by more homelessness. It's, we live in the highest cost of living area within, the, within Canada. So that means we need a different approach by Ottawa. But uh, certainly when we're taking a look at workforce challenges in Surrey, we have the greatest number of manufacturers within British Columbia. We have an international docking facility. We have a thriving development and construction sector. Every single sector is facing labor challenges attitude changes around work and that's affecting the economy as well so we're on this tipping point of what entrepreneurialism is of what businesses need and not everyone can work remotely you can make a sheet metal at home sometimes you need to be in that business to make products and we need a thriving and growing manufacturing sector not only within Surrey, but within Canada, to ensure that we remain a developed nation instead of a developing nation. So we're just on track and in progress in terms of the different ingredients that are needed for a progressive economic recipe. We are a giant uh, among the G7 countries. 
But where a sleeping giant is the president of the Business Council of Canada has recently indicated. You put that uh, very well, and I pretty much agree with all of that. So a question on one of the biggest asset that Surrey has or Canada has is the immigration and the immigrants that we have coming in from different countries and then being becoming a part of the workforce. How does immigration or multiculturalism ties into your plans and with the city of Surrey? Surrey is the highest feeder city of newcomers and refugees within British Columbia. And that is because we have the service and the supports in order to ensure and help with productive and efficient economic outcomes. It's not perfect. The immigration plan for Canada is very ambitious. And in the face of a housing crisis, when we have transportation infrastructure, investment issues where we're playing significant catch-up, it's very challenging for our city. And it's 1,200 to 1,400 people a month that are moving into our city. Uh, some is around newcomer growth, and some is interprovincial growth. Uh, we're the Hawaii of Canada within the Lower Mainland, but Surrey is soon and on track to be that largest city within British Columbia. We have the most industrial land inventory, so we're encouraging our newcomers to become entrepreneurs, to be job creators. They do work hard, and we want to leverage their work ethic. So that's the opportunity that exists within Surrey, but part and parcel in that is around the infrastructure investments that need to happen to support our immigrant population. We see it as an opportunity, but we also need to ensure that it's not a weakness when we don't have infrastructure investments and to ensure that the other levels of government Make sure that Surrey is a priority within the Metro Vancouver region. 100%. My next question is around women in business. And this question actually comes from my sister. Uh, she lives in Surrey and she's been a fan of your work. And the question is, how can women navigate the business world effectively? And what advice do you have for aspiring female uh, business leaders? I would say in my way, I consider myself a business leader, even though I run a not-for-profit because I run the not-for-profit like a business. And when I do make a profit and I reinvest into our organization, into our capital assets, we just purchased a second location. Um, so we're in an expansion state uh, as well. But you have to take a risk. And sometimes as women, you have to prove yourself Five times as hard. When you're a woman of color, you have to prove yourself sometimes 10 times as hard. And it's unfortunate that, that in 2023, that is still the case. But even though I've been in this uh, position and I have all these accolades, I'm still proving myself. You have to take a risk. You have to set yourself apart from the competition. You have to think differently. You have to persevere. You can cry. You can have down times, but you need to surround yourself with people that will believe in you. And that means it's going to be a small circle. And it's not only going to be your family, it's going to be sometimes your friends. And, and people that think differently, 
venue. You need to surround yourself around that ecosystem. And you have to be comfortable with that surrounding. You can't, you can't have someone say to you, you need to do that. You, like you yourself need to say it. And you need to go out and find it and you need to find that comfort level with whomever. And I don't like to really use the word mentor because it's so overused. You just need to find people and surround yourself with people that will make you grow, that will make you think differently, uh, that will uh, really inspire your creativity. Wonderful. That's very well said. Thank you. I'm sure she will love that advice. Um, my next question to you is, and just based on what you said there, through your careers, there's ups and downs. And sometimes what happens is we face a setback in the moment and it feels like a failure, but then in the long run, it actually turns into an advantage or, or something even better. So if I have to ask you, do you have a favorite failure of yours? What would that be? I wouldn't say I failed at anything. I would say everything has been a learning opportunity. I implement actions because I believe in what I believe um, is good for the organization, what is good for myself. And I know many don't agree with that. But I would say that I wouldn't consider it a failure, but I would say it's a choice where I had to say to myself, do I want to have children? What would that mean to my career? But it was a personal choice for me not to have children. But I don't consider that as a failure. Some may consider that as a failure. But you can't have it all. You can have a family. You can have a career. You can be a business leader. You can do it all. But I would say that if I have to look back in my life, I'm, I just turned 50. So it's always a point of reflection when you turn 50. Um, but I don't regret making that choice. And I would say even in 20 years when I'm 70, I won't regret making that choice. And it's not a failure to me. And sometimes in the South Asian community, if you don't have children, it's considered a failure. But you know what? This is 2023. You can make any decision that you want in life. That's lovely. And thanks for sharing that. I appreciate it. So another question, a follow-up on if you have to give yourself like a 20-year-old Anita and advice, knowing everything that you know about life and the business world today, what would that be? I would say that you need to travel and take time for yourself and don't take things so seriously. Try to have fun. I worked so hard in my 20s and because I was trying to prove myself, I had to pay my, pay my own way through a university and I, I didn't feel like I had a chance to be young but you know what I'm going to make up for that now that I'm 50. <laughs> Perfect there we go it's never too late they say so. That's right. Awesome just questions now and your on your personal beliefs and your daily values you are a very busy woman, and with all these responsibilities all these priorities how do you effectively manage your day what are some policies framework that you have to prioritize and then execute? I'm old-fashioned. I do have a, day, a paper day timer. I'm very project-driven. There's 500 things that I have to think about every single day. I have to manage different things for my board directors, for my members. Every single day is different. Things will pop in. 
So some people will say, Anita, what do you do? Your job is so easy. You go to these fancy events. But you know what? That's just a persona. There's so much that happens in the background around helping members, around connecting the dots, being a leader, really ensuring that you're writing project proposal um, in a cohesive way, that you're partnering with the right partners to move the organization forward, to move yourself forward. Every single day is different. And I... And you can't get everything done in a day. I absolutely, I have a to-do list, but I can't get everything done every day because things pop in. There's different things that happen in Surrey that I have to address at the last minute. I have to help my staff. I have to help my board or, or something happens because Surrey is just so busy. But it's like a secret club being the CEO of a chamber of, or board of trade. You don't really know what it's like until you're sitting in this seat and experiencing it. And if you're a go-getter like I am, it's a very different experience sitting in this seat. You can do nothing being a CEO of a chamber and just answer emails and just have your five, 10 events, or you can do way more than that. And uh, that's what I aspire to be, is to be way more. That's awesome. If you anything on a billboard for the entire city of Surrey to see, what would that be and why? So the billboard would be that I think most people will say that in these socioeconomic times, you have to be conservative. And so the billboard would be take a risk, believe in what you think is right, and move forward with that. Something to that effect. Yeah, no, I, I love that. Take the risk. What has been the best investment you have ever made in your career, in your life? What would that be? The best investment is having my husband. <laughs> We've been married 20 years, and I don't know what I would do without him. He grounds me. He balances me. He hears me out. I trust him with every single thought in my mind. And you need someone like that will not judge you and that will give you the truth. And that's really been my winning formula as my husband. That's perfect. In terms of Seri, and what does the future hold for Seri? What are some of the new upcoming projects that are in the works that we should know about? Um, what does all that look like? One thing I have been and I continue to be really excited about is our technology center in Surrey. And so we have three towers built and another five to come. And it's a blended ecosystem of business, technology, education, all in one ecosystem to support the entrepreneurial spirit. And that is why the Surrey Board of Trade bought a second location in that technology district. And we are going to be unveiling it early next year in 2024 as the Surrey Technology and Skills Center with our joint venture partner, Western Community College, to incubate different economic projects, which includes a blockchain center of excellence, a cybersecurity center of excellence, an indigenous entrepreneurship and innovation center, really enhancing and expanding our trifecta economic partnerships to address the labor shortages of the day and Thirdly, to start up and scale up technology businesses to make Surrey 
that tech destination and to leverage our border capabilities with the Silicon Valley and to ensure that we're a destination for global tech leaders as well. I'm so excited about that because a third of our population is under the age of 19 in Surrey. This is where the human capital is. This is where the industrial land inventory is. Uh, We have 27% of Metro Vancouver's industrial land inventory. Uh, We have an international docking facility, an international border, two points of access. We're working on it as part of a Cascadia economic strategy. I'm excited about the different economic assets for our manufacturing sector, our agriculture sector, and what the potential is for our arts and culture and creative sector within the city. That's awesome. Exciting times for the city of Surrey. I know we're coming up on time. If I have to, before I let you go, if I have to, if there's one final message you have for the people of Surrey or for the listeners of this podcast, what would that message be and why? I would say get engaged. I would say to residents and businesses, vote in your elections. Know what is going on. Make sure you know the truth and the fact um, before you make decisions. And, and get engaged uh, in the Surrey Board of Trade. We are Surrey City Building Business Organization. And we want to make sure that we've been here since 1918. We want the organization to continue for another 200, 300, 400 years. Um, but that means we need everyone to get engaged in the business community. That's my advice. That's perfect. We'll leave it at that. Thank you again for your time. It was lovely talking to you and to learn from you. I wish you all the luck and to your team and super excited for what study has in future. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm.